Amen. So uh, if you haven't started yet, and it looks like most of you haven't started yet, but let's get that together. We've got to get together this month. Got to, and if you heard that, heard that yeah, that's right, $6,500 to, to take a shipping container. Because we're talking about one of those big, huge ones. That's a lot of money, but it's got to go a long way. It goes all the way from the port and, and uh, uh, outside of Houston uh, all the way to Romania. I get on a truck or a train there or something. So $6,500 is a lot of money, but that's a lot of food also to feed that many kids. So jump in if you can. And listen, let, let, me, let me tell you this too. I mean, if you've got a, uh, you know, we, we promote three missions throughout the year, and this is one of them. And if, and, you know, if you just want to give like $10 a week or something like that and just, just write missions on the bottom, then the missions team will use that wherever it's needed for that particular month. Like right now, one of the things we want to do is we want to uh, provide some help with uh, that shipping cost. He tries, uh, Cecil Pagel, he tries to get uh, someone to help him with that. Uh, sometimes he's been able to get it done free uh, by, by kind of splitting it up, like finishing filling up uh, a container or something like that. But uh, the last two or three years, he's not been able to do that. So that's why it's, it's costing him a lot out of his pocket to be able to get that. So let's help him however you can. Uh, and uh, a lot of things going on. Membership uh, Sunday is today if, uh, if you're interested and, and uh, you haven't read one of the books. You probably want to read one of the books. Talk to me a little later uh, about it uh, another time. Uh, uh, the invitation to membership books are out in the foyer. If you have and you want to join, we'll give you opportunity at the end of this service. Let's get into the message this morning. Uh, just, um, I, I, know, I know Mike sometimes really sweats when I send him the outline because he, he's looking at all this stuff that I got on there and he's thinking, how in the world is he going to preach this in time to get out in time for the second so, You know what? And, and sometimes I, I'm sweating too, thinking about how in the world am I going to preach all this? I got a lot of stuff I want to share with you today. Let me say these, these couple of things before we, uh, before we have a word of prayer and get into the word. It's we're in a, just started a Nehemiah series on restoring lives. That's a big need in our, in our community, in our world today, restoring lives. There's a lot of lives all around you that need restoring. Last week, we talked about having the heart of a restorer. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems with Christians today is we're not thinking about restoring people anymore. That's not part of what's in our thought process. You know, we're thinking about everything else going on in life, but we're not thinking about restoring people around us. I mean, we see bad stuff, and we say, well, that's bad, and we just leave it alone. We need God to renew the heart of a restorer within, within us. And the next week, I just want to tell you this one thing because I want you to be thinking about this this week. Next week, I'm going to be talking to you about how to pray for your, the people around you who need their lives restored. Sometimes we say your lost loved ones. But it's not just those things. It may even be Christians around you that need something in their lives restored. But specifically, we want to focus on those who don't know Jesus Christ. It may be those who've never been raised in church, or maybe those who were raised in church got hurt in church. Hey, sadly, people get hurt in church. You know why? Because church is full of people. And because, you know, we're not perfect yet. He hadn't made us perfect yet. We still mess up sometimes. And sometimes we hurt one another. People get hurt and they leave it. So for whatever reason, whether they're unchurched or dechurched, you know, we want to pray for them. And so I want to preach to you next week about praying for them and helping to restore their life. And specifically, I also want to mention to you, and not just mention to you, I want to preach to you, and I want to encourage you next Sunday, over the next, about the next month, I want to encourage you starting next week, the following Monday, the day after, the next Sunday sermon, I want to encourage you to join us in a time of fasting. And I'll explain that in the message next week, okay? So I want you to be thinking about that, praying about that. And when you hear something in your spirit this week, so is God telling me I need to really, yeah. If you hear something in your spirit this week, know that God is preparing you because he wants to use you 
to restore somebody's life around you. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for uh, the, the great spirit that is here. Thank you, God, for uh, needs that you're meeting. I thank you, God, uh, for the lives that you're touching, families, God, that you are uh, helping, Lord, through tough times. I pray, God, right now that you challenge us today, God, to uh, do something beyond uh, the hour and a half that we do on Sunday morning, to do something beyond uh, the five-minute devotionals that we do in a hurry before we go to bed at night. God, to do something more than that, but God, to do something to reach uh, those around us that need something in their lives restored. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you help us. Lord, and please challenge us. Would somebody please, I pray, God, today, receive the challenge that you are putting in their heart to right now, God, stirring them and not allowing them to just do Christian business as usual, but to, to allow you to use them to bring restoration into someone's life this week. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay. So let's go back to the book of Nehemiah. We're going to skip ahead. Yeah, here's my sermon title this morning. Who, why, what, where, how, and when. Yeah, that's not, okay. That's not, I'm sorry. It's not a six-point sermon. Don't get nervous. It's not going to be that long this morning. But I'm going to, t- I'm going to tell you all these things. In just a few moments, okay? We're going to skip uh, chapters 2 and 3 and get over into chapters 4. Remember what we're talking about is, is that Nehemiah, uh, he, Nehemiah is a descendant of the Jews. He is a Jew. He is a, a Hebrew. And uh, uh, he hears that Jerusalem is still destroyed. Now, this is 90 years after the decree was issued that they could rebuild Jerusalem. And it still hasn't happened. And so now Nehemiah gets back to Jerusalem and they start working on the wall. And it says, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant. When he heard we were rebuilding the wall. So this guy Sanballat, we're going to talk about him a little, a little while later if I have time, if I get, get to that. I know this is two sermons today, but I'm going to do my very best to preach both of them to you if I can real quick. But when Sanballat, who was their enemy, when he heard that they builded the wall... He got, he got really upset. He said he was furious and he was indignant. And he even started mocking the Jews. When he heard that they were building the wall. Can I tell you something? It, it isn't about the wall. Would you turn to somebody and say, it isn't about the wall? Yeah. How about say it with me? It is, say it with me. It isn't about the wall, okay? Because we look at this and we say sometimes, we think, oh, oh, well, he was mad because they were building. It's not about the wall. Can I tell you this? Your enemy, Satan, he doesn't care what kind of wall we build. I mean, it's, it's like this wall right here. He doesn't care what kind of wall we've got right here. It's not about the wall. I mean, he doesn't care if we pull the paneling down and we sheetrock and paint it. He doesn't care if, uh, you know, if we, if we get... You know, we get some mud, we get some sheetrock mud, and we fill, it, fill all the cracks in and paint it so it looks like sheetrock. He, he doesn't care, if, you know, he doesn't care if we buy oak, you know, and we actually stain it ourselves and put it up there and make it. He doesn't care. It's not about the wall. But so many churches today are making it about the wall. They're making it about the building. They're making it about the things, the stuff. And it's not about the wall. The enemy doesn't care about the wall. And you know what? He, he cares about something else. And that's the next thing we'll talk about in just a moment. He, he, but i got to tell you this about it, too, is we shouldn't care about the wall. That's not the important thing. It's not the what that we build. It's the who that we build. He said the enemy, he doesn't care about the what right over there. He cares about the who that we're building. And we shouldn't be wrapped up in the what. We should be wrapped up in the who. 
You see, because the who is also the why. The reason we do what we do, the why is the who. I mean, that's the important thing. So, so the who, the why is the who, and, and the what is about the who. This is all about the who. It's not about the, the, the building. It's not about any of the other ideas that we have about why we should be doing things. The, the why we do what we do is about the who that is out there. And it doesn't matter what kind of wall that we build. It doesn't matter what kind of church that we build. I saw an article yesterday online. I started reading it, and it was a, it was a survey that was done. It was a survey that was done uh, asking questions of, uh, of the unchurched and what, you know, what impact the building had on them. I said, i got to read this. You know, and here I am in the middle of a sermon, you know, preaching. Uh, you know, uh, I already had this sermon prepared. I'm preaching about this doesn't matter. I wanted to see what they had to say. You know what they said? It, they really said, it doesn't really matter. You know, it needs to look clean, needs to, but even that doesn't necessarily, necessarily matter so much. It's not about, even to the, into, to the unchurched, it's not about the wall. You know who it's about? It's about you. You know, you have more impact on an unchurched person coming to know Jesus Christ than that wall does right there. The, the inside of it, the outside of it, what color it's painted, how big it is what it's made of, you have more impact on someone becoming a Christian than that wall does and that, it, that, that any of this furniture does and that the carpet does. It's not about the wall. Would somebody say amen? But it's about what the wall creates. First of all, it's about what the wall creates. And I say, really, this is one sermon right here, but i got to hurry up and run through this. It's about what the wall creates. Because you see, before the wall was built, for you know, about 150 years, 160 years, 70 years, 20 years, and 70 years, you can add them up there together. About 160 years, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was really just in, was destroyed. And the few people that would come into Jerusalem, some probably still trying to live there in the, in the broken down streets and those things, but the few people that come, they just kind of came through, they just wandered through and went on their way. They were headed somewhere. And most people didn't live right there in Jerusalem. And those that would come to Jerusalem, they just came and went, came and went. I mean, there was no wall. The city was not walled. You couldn't, you, you, you didn't, you weren't, uh, you know, bound by just going in a gate here or a gate there. I mean, you could just walk straight through. I mean, if that was a shortcut, you could take a shortcut straight through Jerusalem. And people just went through. But when they started building the wall, guess what? It created a community. You know, it created a, like a subdivision. You know, think about that. It created a subdivision or a community. And that's why the enemy, I'm not talking about Sanballat, I'm talking about our enemy. That's why he doesn't want us to build the wall. It's because he doesn't want us to build community. He doesn't want us to build a togetherness where people come together in spirit and in heart and in, and, and in belief and faith and, 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 and trusting in God to do great things for them and for their families. That's why the enemy doesn't want us to build it. But that's exactly why we must build it. It's because the wall does build. It creates this community. It creates a place. That's why we, we must build these kinds of walls. And I'm really not talking about that wall. I'm talking about a spiritual wall that we build that creates a community. But it's also what the wall protects. This is another reason the enemy didn't want Sandalit didn't want them to build it because he knew that that wall was going to protect them. And drawing the parallel here to us in the present day, the reason we need to build the wall is because of what it protects. You see, the wall, not talking about this wall, talking about the spiritual wall. It's not about the what, it's about the who. It's about who it protects. It protects our families. 
When we build a spiritual wall, if you, I, I, my mind goes back to, to the book of Job and where, where, where uh, Satan told, told God, said, you know, I, I can't touch Job because you've got your hedge built around him. Oh, God, build your hedge around my family so that, so that my enemies can't get. Anybody pray that kind of prayer every once in a while? Uh, daily for me, man, I'm praying that kind of a prayer daily for my family. For, uh, you know, and I'm, I don't mean just me and my wife. I mean all of my family. I'm praying that prayer, asking God to build the wall. And that's why the enemy doesn't want us to do it. But that's exactly why we have to do it. Because it's protecting those who are around us. It's protecting those of us who need their lives restored even. Because those of us who aren't yet Christians and we're, we're building this wall and we're praying, God, keep them until that day that they finally come to know you. i got a question for you here. And I want you to be thinking about this for the rest of the sermon. I want, you, I want you to hear this for a moment. It's whose life has God put you in the middle of to bring restoration to them? Look around and think about it. And, and that's the person, that, one of the people that you need to be building the wall around, spiritually building the wall. And it's not about the wall. It's about the who. It's not about the task. It's not about the prayer. It's not about the fasting. It's about the who that is the subject of that. And so who is the person or who are the people? There's probably one or two people that you have been put right in the middle of their life to bring restoration, to allow God to do something through you, to be for you to be a channel, an open door that he can bring a a restoring of something, some part of their life. Who is that person? You need to be thinking about that. So it's about what the, what the wall creates, what the wall protects, and what the wall does. What the wall does. It's, it's, not, it's not about just, it's not about the wall, it's about what the wall does. It's not about the physicality of the wall, it's about what the functionality of the wall. About how the wall protects and how the wall creates, but then how, how the wall also Create something else. I mean, I mean it, makes you, it makes you a people. It kind of makes you a city. It's kind of like the borders of a city, you know? I mean, we're not in Gardendale right here. You know, some, some of you say, I'm glad, and some of you say, oh, wish we were. You know, it's kind of like there's good and bad of being in the city, right? There's good and bad of being in the county. You know, if you're wanting to build something, sometimes, you know, if you're wanting to build something, it's good to be in the county and not have as much regulation. But if your neighbor's wanting to build something, you really wish he was in the city so he had more regulation, Right? Good and bad with all that. How many of you live in Gardendale? Anybody live in Gardendale? Anybody? Just a couple of hands going up. Aren't you glad they changed the name, Michael? Did you know they changed the name? In the 1800s, there was a, there was a jug and churn factory down in, in, uh, in Gardendale. And so Gardendale was, was known as Jugtown. 1907. Come on now. Aren't you glad they changed the name? Yeah, in 1906, one of the one of the teachers in, in Gardendale, she was she, or uh, in Jugtown, she was embarrassed by the name, and so she got a drive going, and she got everybody, she got them to all agree to change the name to Gardendale. Aren't you glad of that? You know, I don't even know what the mascot is of the Jugtown High School. You know, I, you know, what, what would it be? I mean, what would we be cheering on Friday nights? You know, go. <laughs> I don't know, you know, what would the, you know, how would the Mothers Against Drunk Driving have a, you know, have an honest shot here in a, in a town called Jugtown? I mean, you know, you know, when, when things are filled with stuff like that, especially back in the early 1900s. I mean, you know, well, thank God they, they, they changed that name if you live there especially, and we live close enough, and I'm glad they changed the name because, you know, a lot of times I say Mount Olive, they say, well, you mean that Mount Olive over there, that Mount, and I said, no, the Mount Olive near Jugtown. Oh, thank, thankfully, I just can say Gardendale. Sounds a whole lot better, doesn't it? You know, 
So Jugtown, you know, or, or when I lived in South Alabama, there was a town not far from me that used to be known as Snufftown or Snuff City. But they changed it to Samson. Y'all been, some of y'all been through Samson on your way to the beach. You, you didn't know it used to be called Snufftown or Snuff City. It was named that because, because one, of the, uh, one of the stores in town bought, bought a can of snuff. I guess they liked it so much they bought a whole boxcar of snuff. And then they couldn't sell it, I guess, and it sat there for years and years and years. And so that's why it began to be known as Snufftown or Snuff City, USA. And so finally they had to move on. We got to change this name to something else. Or, or what about Burnt Corn? Anybody ever been through Burnt Corn? Let me tell you, you can't get there from here. That's one of those cities you got to you got to go somewhere else to get there. Or Toad Vine. How many of you love to live in Toad Vine? What is a to- Toad Vineite? Or or Pig Eye? Or Bortush? You know, some of the, uh, 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 how, many, how about all those he-men living down there just outside of Dothan, Alabama, in Pansy, Alabama? <laughs> you know, or how, you know, wh- what if you say, oh, I, I'm from Smelly. <laughs> I'm a Smelly resident. I'm a, you know, you know that, that's where I was raised. I mean, I, uh, that's who I am, or Possum Trot. Now, I, I had some images run through my mind, you know. I don't know what y'all are thinking about. When I was thinking about Possum Trot, I, no, I wasn't thinking about a dance either. I was thinking about something else. Or rim lap. Y'all know where rim lap? Anybody know where rim lap is? You know where it got its name? Uh, Mr. Palmer, I don't recall his first name. In the 1800s, he planted this city and named it after himself, Palmerdale. Y'all heard of Palmerdale? It's up there. But then he got mad at some of his neighbors, so mad that he moved up the road a little ways, and he started another area, village, town. And he, wanted, he, he was so mad at them, he wanted to be the exact opposite. And that's why he named it Rimlap. Y'all get that yet? R-E-M-L-A-P. Reverse it. It's P-A-L-M-E-R. He wanted to be the exact opposite. Now, there's some interesting facts that you might be able to use one day. See, I don't want this to be like Algebra 2 where you're walking out the door saying, I'll never use that ever in my life. You know, here's some stuff you might be able to use one day. Did you, did you know Jugtown was that until uh, 1906? You write down that date so you can tell people, you know, and you remember. You can talk about that teacher and everything. I can give you her name after church if you want it. I mean, I want you to have some facts that you can use. But the Rimlap fact, what's more important about that, what's more important than just that it, it, is the way it fits into this sermon today. Rimlap more than any, than any of these, because whatever we build in the name of God says something about who we are. And you know, there's a lot of people out there, there are a lot of churches, all of my life I've seen church, I mean, one of the biggest ways we've planted churches in my lifetime is from splits. Somebody gets mad, goes down the street, starts church. And when you start a church in anger or hatred, I mean, you start something like a Rimlap, I don't want to be anything like 2911. I'm going to go down the road and I'm going to start at 1192. And when you start something like that, it says something about who you are and what is in your heart. And I just wonder, how in the world does God bless in the middle of something like that? But you know what? There's something different going on today. I was just I was just in a, a conference just a few weeks ago, the Grow Conference over at Church of the Highlands. And I don't know, I met so many guys from all over the country that said, we're planting a church in such and such city in two weeks. Our launch day is in six weeks in such and such city. And our launch day is here and our launch day is there. And you know what? None of them were planning or leaving their church because they were angry or mad. You know what they were doing? They had had a call of God and said, we're going to plant because God has called us into another city. And let me tell you something. That's why we're very careful around here. We, we don't try to hang on to anybody. This don't, this don't fit you. Then go find you somewhere that fits you. 
Because I'm going to tell you something. We're going to plant some stuff out of 29. It's always been part of the dream. It's always been part of the plan. We're going to plant some other stuff coming out of this church. And not so we can go hang our hat on it and have 25 locations or whatever, you know, just or try to be the next McDonald's in Jugtown, Gardendale, whatever, you know. Not, not that we, but, but we want to do that because that's what God has called us to do. And I'm not talking about just 2911. That's what God has called the church to do. It's to get out there where people are hurting and do something about it. And so we've been careful as a church plant. We've been careful as a church plant, and we want to be careful as we try to launch other things, other places. But you know, it's, it's not just about that as well. There are other churches, that, you know, the churches that have been around for a while, they weren't, might not have been planted in that, in that kind of a reason. But a lot of them, all they care about is being the fun church or being a country club. I mean, really seriously, I, I, you know, there's some churches, I, I don't know if God's, touched anybody, moved anybody, changed anybody's life, or done anything for anybody. But they have fun. They enjoy themselves. And we can create a church like that. We can, we can become a church like that if, if that's what we really need. But is that what your family needs? That's not what my family needs. You know, I, I got TV at home. I can have fun if I want to. I, you know, I can go to a football game. I, you know, there's high school football starting this week. I can have a blast every Friday night. I got plenty of things to have fun with, and I like to have fun with my, with my church family too. And we do that. We like to have fun, but our, but our reason for being here, building the wall it, of what it does, and the reason we've got to do this is because this is what our families need. You see, what, what Church 2911's vision statement, engaging our communities with the love of Jesus Christ, you see, I don't know what you picture when you see that. But when I picture that, I don't see a country club type church that says, hey, come in. We're having a great time. I, I don't see a fun church that just says, hey, we've got plenty of activities for everybody. When I, when I think about engaging, engaging our communities with the love of Jesus Christ, the, the, the vision I get more than anything is a fort in the Old West out in the wilderness somewhere, hundreds of miles from any other help, and there's a fort a fort that is protecting everybody that is trusting in the safety of the fort. And a fort that is ready to launch, a place that, that you can be trained, you can be armed, and you can be equipped to launch an offensive against an enemy that has attacked, has kidnapped, and has destroyed your family. A place to, 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 to go against. That's what I see as the vision, and that's what God has given us a calling to be and to do. You know, so, you know, and if you want a fun church, if you want a country club church, then we'll help you find one. This ain't going to be it. It's not going to be it. You know, not, not as long as I'm still here. If God takes me home tomorrow, I guess y'all going to fight over, you know, what it's going to be. But it's not going to be that while I'm here. Because God didn't call us to be that. So, so you know, you're not going to be happy here if that's what you're looking for. But if you're looking for a place that God can use you to bring restoration in people's lives around you every day of the week, not just, not just this hour and a half thing on Sunday morning where we hold somebody's hand, God just bless them and help them get through this week. But now we march into the enemy's camp. We march into this wilderness where there doesn't seem to be help for hundreds of miles and say, God, use me today to bring restoration into somebody's life. That's what God's called us to do, what he's called us to be. But while we do that, listen, offense is going to, that's, that's the end of the first sermon, so now I've got to hurry through the second one real quick. Next, verse 2 and 3 says, and he spoke before his brethren, he's talking about Sanballat here, and he says, 
What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? And so while our enemies are attacking, you know, there's going to be trouble come to us. There's going to be hardship. But that's the reason they need restoration. They don't need restoration because they're enjoying life. They don't need restoration because they've got a million dollars in the bank. They need restoration because they've got a tax on them. And to buy the Ammonites, you know, here's the thing. Here's, the, here's, here's part of the how, okay? Because the important thing here is not do problems come, but is how you respond when the problems come. What do you do about it when the problems come? And not just to you, but to the people around you. Do you just say, well, I just hope things get better for you? Or do you say, God, use me somehow to bring restoration? How did they respond? And Tobiah the Ammonite was behind him. He said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. In the next verse, Nehemiah says, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. He, he, he responds with prayer. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Okay, now... I'm going to talk about prayer next week, so I'm going to skip that. I'm going to go right here. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to... Okay, but let me tell you, that, that word work there means something much deeper than you and I are thinking about right now. Well, maybe not me, because I know what I'm about to say. But it, it's so much deep. That word is lasot or something like that. I don't even know how to say it. I tried to get my... My Hebrew accent up, and I just, I just try, I've tried to say that word all, all, all week, and I can't, I can't say it, but that word means, it means to do something, to make something, so it does mean to work, but it means so much more than that. It, it, all these words right here, and here, this is what we need to do. We need to set our mind to be like this. It means all these words, you need, we need to have our mind set, all of these things, go ahead and give them to us, Mike. We need to have our mind set to accomplish, to advance, to bring forth, to be busy, to commit, to execute, to labor, to prepare, to sacrifice, to serve, to spend. That's what that word means. And so he said the reason the wall got built and the reason the enemy was mad and the reason community was being created and the reason people were beginning to be protected is because the people had a mind to accomplish and advance and bring forth and be busy and commit and execute and labor and prepare and sacrifice and serve and spend. That's why. It was beginning to happen, and not because they just said, well, let's roll up our sleeves and work. No, they said all of this, they were consumed by a passion to get it done. All of this. It takes all of this to make it happen. And they were willing to step in. We need to set our minds to this. Let's go on, Mike. I'm going to have to hurry here. So verse 7, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, Okay, I got to stop right here for just a moment. I got to tell you, Sanballat, his name means sin has given life. Now, sin was the name of the moon god, but that's just too, that's just too deep and rich right there for me to just skip over. <laughs> I got to throw that one out at you. That their enemy's name was sin has given life. Now, I wish I had time to preach to you just a little bit right here. But you need to just, you need to write that one down and think about that this week. Sin has given, what kind of life does sin give? Hmm. I don't have time to preach that. Don't look at me like that. 
I don't have time to preach this right here. You need to preach this to yourself. What kind of life does sin give? And that's the kind of life, the people around you that need restoration. That's what's happening in their life. Sin is giving them life, but what kind of life is it giving to them? But you know what? Then I looked up Tobiah's name. You know what it means? When I was ready for it, I thought, oh, man, this is going to be good. It means Jehovah is good. So wait a minute, I'm clicking on the mouse. i got to look this up a little bit more. There's no way this guy was named after Jehovah. Jehovah is good. That's exactly what he was named. He was named Jehovah is good. And I, I think, oh, what is it that you're saying here? He said, you know, this is what God spoke to me when, when I was in this verse. He said, you know, some enemies are obvious and apparent all the time, but some aren't. Sometimes it looks like Jehovah. It walks like Jehovah. It might even quack like Jehovah, but it ain't Jehovah. And in verse 12, you'll see something. Else. Show, me that. Show us that one, Mike. In verse 12, you'll see a little bit of this. So it was, and we're skipping down a little bit. We're going to come right back. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came. They told us 10 times from whatever place you turned over. It said the Jews that lived next to them, they came and said, 10 times they came and told us. At least 10 times they came and told us, hey, if y'all don't stop building this wall. Nehemiah said, our brothers, the Jews who lived out there with Sanballat and Tobiah, they came and said, you guys better stop building this wall because they're going to be on top of all of us. No, what they were saying was, Nehemiah, they ain't going to get you. You're going to be inside the city wall, but they're going to be on top of us because we're out here living by them. Duh. What are you living by them for then? I mean, that's, that's the answer. The answer is get inside the wall. Okay, but you and I, we've got to look at that, and we've got to remember, we've got to realize that the ones we're trying to reach, they don't live in the wall. And you know, there's a lot of folks that they visit the church on Sunday morning, but they're living that life. They got the name of Jews, but they're living out there by them. It's an hour and a half thing that they're doing, and they've got the T-shirt, Church 2911, Dare You to Dream on the back. They've got the shirt. They've got the name. They know the location. They've got it on their GPS. They've got the, they've got the church phone number, the pastor's phone number on their speed dial if they got a problem. They, you know, they're friended us on Facebook and all of that, but they're living that life out there. And those are the ones that need to be restored. And they're living out there by the ones that need to be restored. And back to verse 7, though, here's the hope. Here's the, here's the uh, excitement. It says, when they heard, when the enemies heard, heard what? That the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. You know what was already happening? The wall was already beginning to come together. The gaps were already closing. You know, uh, here's what's happened. As God begins to get in the middle of it, when we begin to start, God jumps in the middle of it. And he begins doing things that you and I can't do. And he begins building the wall around us and through us. And he begins closing the gaps around us and through us. So that the enemy's not sneaking in as much as he was yesterday. And, and, and our, our, our blessings and our hopes and our promises aren't slipping out through the gaps like they were yesterday. And, and as soon as we start, things begin to come together. And so that's, that's why you and I need to start today. Not tomorrow, not next week. We need to start today. Because today, the wall can begin to be built. Today, the gaps can begin to close up. If we get, if we get the call to do this, Mike, what's my next verse? I'm going to have to skip some stuff and close out here somehow. Therefore, position men behind the lower parts of the wall at the, at the openings. I said the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. He's got all the families, and he's got them all with their weapons. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight, your bro- fight for your brother and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He said, be courageous. 
house and car, stand up. And, and you and I, we're not having to fight this kind of a battle. Sometimes we act like it, don't we? Well, I could never get out there and do that. You don't have a sword on your side. You don't have somebody about to come and take your child away from you and kill someone in your family. We need to have a little courage about ourselves. And remember that if Jesus Christ died for us, the, most we can, the least we can do is live for him. Amen? And, uh, verse 16. So it was from that time on that half my servants worked at construction. The other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. And so he, he split them up. Half had swords and weapons and half had, uh, had tools. Then those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens, they also themselves, with one hand they worked at construction, and with the other they held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And so even every, everybody that was out there working, they had, they had a weapon and a tool. Some, some of the people, he had split them up, and they had half weapons and half tools. And, and so the people that were building, he also made sure they had a weapon as well. And said, so, you know what we've got to do? We've got to fight, and we've got to build. Sometimes there's building to do, and sometimes there's fighting to do. And we never know sometimes when the fighting's going to show up. But when the enemy shows up, that's when the, it's time to do the fighting. That's when it's time to, to take up the arms. When the enemy shows up in your friend's life, when the enemy shows up in your family's life, it's time to take up the arms and to fight. And every chance you get, when the fight weakens just a little bit, that's not time to take a nap. That's time to just lay your weapon down for a second, do a little work, pick the weapon up. It's time to do work. We got to do work. I've told you everything except for the when. I don't, I don't know if you got it all, but I've told you the, the, uh, the who, the what, the why, the who, the why, the what, the where, the how, and I want to tell you the when right now. Last verse. 23, is it? Yes. So neither I nor my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. Why would they do this? Why would they do this? Why would they sleep in their clothes? They wouldn't even lounge, you know. Ah, think I'll take off my shoes for a moment and wouldn't take off their clothes except just take them off wash put them right back on why would they do this to stay ever ready because you don't know when the, they didn't know when the enemy was coming but you know what we also don't know when the enemy is going to attack those around us who need a restoration but we also don't know when the opportunity is going to come to pour something good into somebody's life through the love of Jesus Christ Stay ready right this moment. Stay ready right now. Get yourself ready and be ready when you walk out the door every second of this week. Just be ready. Say, God, I'm, I, I, I'm dressed. I'm ready. Use me somewhere today, God. Can you get there? Can you get there? Stand with me, if you will. Can you get there? Come to the front. Come to the front. I want you to, I want you to come because I, I got, I've got, I got a couple more things i got to do. One, to close this service, but then we've also got to do something with we got our membership, but I got something. Ushers, ushers, Adam, bring those in. Thank you. I, w- I want to give you a visual this morning, but here's what I, want, I need you to do. Did you think about yet? Did you think about yet? Who is that person that you are in the middle of their life? And God has put you there to bring restoration. You think about that person yet? Come on, if you will. Have you? And this is going to tear some of you guys up. 
because it's all about the wall. Prayer team, get, get here and face this way for me, if you will. Get ready. Give me one of those markers. Who knows? Look at that right. Who knows whose life they have put in the, been put in the middle of to help restore? Who knows somebody? Take this from me. I want you to write it on that wall right there. Write their name. Yeah. They're going to blow some of your mind. He's going to write on the wall. That's a, that's a permanent. That's not a, that's not a dry erase. Who else? Who else? No, so as soon as you know somebody, take a, take a marker, take a marker from uh, one of the ushers and write it on the wall. Bring it back. Bring it back, Lisa. I want you to get with a prayer team member right now and let them believe with you in prayer over that name. Right now, just pray. Come on, everybody bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. God, who am I? Now you know what to do. Who am I? Who am I in the middle of their life to bring restoration? Come get a marker. We got plenty of markers. Ten people could be writing all at one time. Come get a marker. Who am I in the middle of their life to bring restoration? Come get a marker. Go write their name down and come back and pray and and let a prayer team member believe in prayer for their salvation. Whose life am I slap dab in the middle of to bring restoration? Come on, all of you, every one of you, every single one of you has someone in your life. God has put you there to bring restoration. For most of us, it's a, it's salvation, but for a lot, it's it's just a it, it, it may be a financial restoration or something else. But I believe that every one of us has someone in our life. Jamie is going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing till you finish praying, please. Please hear God speak right now. God, whose life? You got a son, you got a daughter that's been struggling. You got a friend that's going through a divorce. Whose life are you in the middle of today? Whose life are you in the middle of today that God has directed so you can help bring restoration? Come on, step up, step up, write it down, write it on the wall. Let's put it on the wall and get it out. That wall's in our way.